Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, can you believe it? We're at our final week of a series we've been running for a period of time, up to part 13, called Saints Among Sinners. And uh, it's the uh, overview of the book of Ephesians. Obviously, you could go into it a lot deeper, and we could be on it for years. But we've taken 13 weeks to unpackage the book of Ephesians. And we've covered many, many topics, and I I really do hope that it's been helpful. Uh, If it's not being helpful, we're not doing our job, and so I really trust that what we have been sharing has been helpful. Um, Basically, the book is six chapters long. It's split into two parts. The first three chapters is doctrine who we are in Christ, our position in Christ. The second part of the book is about duty. It's about uh, our responsibility, how we respond to the rights that we have in Christ. It's the practice. Okay, so our position and our practice, our rights and responsibilities, our doctrine and our duty. And so we've been covering all those uh, things over the last few weeks. In particular, we look very practically at marriage, we look practically at family, we've looked practically at the workplace. And so Paul was not just a spiritual man, but he was also a very practical man. And church must not just be spiritual, it must also be practical. We don't want to be so spiritual that no one knows what is being said. Paul was a man who got caught up into the third heaven. He, he saw things that he couldn't quite explain, and yet he was able to bring it down to husbands, love your wives. Very practical. Children, obey your parents. So he was a spiritual man, and he was a practical man. And that should be the desire of each and every one of us in this room, to be both spiritual and practical. The thing that Paul... Uh, does throughout the book, the theme that is right throughout the book, the thing it starts with and ends with is this subject of prayer. And that's what we're going to look at today, the power and importance of prayer. Because Paul was a man of prayer. In the beginning of Ephesians, in the very first chapter, verse 17, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that you may have the wisdom and the revelation to know him better. Don't you love that? Not just know all about religion, but to know him. Christianity is about a relationship. It starts with knowing him. Paul prays, I pray you get to know him. If you know him, you will love him. Oh, I pray that you get to know Jesus, to know him better. That was how he starts this book of Ephesians. Midway through the book, in chapter 3, he prays another prayer and he says that you would be strengthened on the inside. This is what he's praying. He prays that you'd be strengthened on the inside, that Christ, Christ may dwell in your hearts, that you'd be rooted and established in love, that you would have the wisdom and revelation to know how high and wide and deep is the love of God. In other words, he doesn't want you to remain shallow. Our desire in this church is that we go on to deep things, bigger things, better things, higher things, that we would go deeper, higher, wider in our love for God, in our love for one another, in our love for the community, that we would grow. Everyone say grow. That we would grow and become more and more like Him. And then at the end, He also prays, which is a reminder to us of just how important prayer is. He says, A lot of things, love your wives, obey your parents, do this, do that. 
But then he finishes with prayer. In other words, he's saying, I've said a lot of things, but let's not forget prayer. And I think sometimes in our busy lives, we can forget the things that matter most. Paul is saying here, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. For me to be able to go away for a week and just be by myself and to download from God the things that uh, he wants me to be aware of in this season of my life, in this season of my marriage, in this season of uh, my parenting, in this season of this church. It takes time just to do nothing because prayer is important. Paul did not say just, you know, obey your uh, parents or love your wives. He said, that, that better be coupled with prayer. This thing ain't going to go well for you if you're not praying. What is prayer? Essentially, prayer is just talking to God. And that takes on many forms, and we're going to get to that in just a little while. Rick Warren says, the more you pray, the less you'll panic. The more you worship, the less you worry. You'll feel more patient and less pressured when you pray. I know it can become a cliche that, you know, Christians pray, but that, I, I wish that was the case. The trouble is a lot of Christians don't pray. And they are led by their feelings. They're led by their past. They're led by this, they're led by that. They're led by anything but God's word, God's will, and God's ways, which are all found in times of prayer. Us hearing and downloading from God. And so I want to read from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whatever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fiercely as I should. Paul was a man who did great things and saw great things, but he recognized the need for prayer. And he recognized that his prayers alone were not enough. He encouraged the people in the church in Ephesus and the hearers, as I'm asking this morning, to pray. In other words, Paul was saying, I need your prayers. And as a leader of this church, I need your prayers. And I do appreciate those who have been praying for me and this church and the leadership over this last week. I really do. But I want to look at a few things about prayer this morning to give us a greater love and a greater desire for prayer like never before. And the first thing we see about prayer is that prayer must come from the heart. See, Paul was moved to pray, not told to pray. I'm not here to tell you to pray. Because if I can tell you to pray and you pray because I've told you to do it, it won't last. Prayer's got to be deeper than that. Prayer's got to come from the heart. What moves you? Paul was moved by many things. He was moved by the love of God. He was moved by the people that were under his care. He was moved by those that were far from Christ. He was moved by many things and as a result of being moved, he prayed. He wasn't told to pray. He was moved to pray. He loved God and he loved people. That should be enough to cause us to pray. If our prayers don't come from the heart, it won't touch God's heart. 
Have you ever had the opportunity where somebody's done the wrong thing by you and they come and apologize? But there's only one thing you want to know. Does that, does that sorry come from the heart? Do you mean it? How many have ever heard a sorry that's come from the heart? It sounds different than a sorry that is just because I was told to say sorry. You know, you know the difference. If you and I can discern the difference between a sorry that is heartfelt and not, I mean, let's face it, as a parent, you can't have kids without having some mistakes. I mean, we found out from says that he had three perfect kids and then, then God got his vengeance and, and number four wasn't quite perfect. It was awesome. We were all rejoicing in that because, you know, praise God. Welcome to the club of normal. And we've had situations where our kids have done the wrong thing by one another and say, look, you need to say sorry. You need to sort this out. And this doesn't cut it. Sorry. It's got to be heartfelt. I remember when we were young kids growing up, my dad would not let us get off the hook when we were doing the wrong things. I mean, there would be times, I don't know what it was, but me and Pete seemed to have more fights than me and Baz. I don't know if it was that trying to, I don't know, my older brother, I just thought Baz, younger one. The challenge is in getting the older one. Because I'm one of those middle, overlooked, neglected <laughs> kids. Anyone out there? Hang in there. The best is yet to come. And we used to fight and do all sorts of things as kids do. And I'll never forget, this, this was Dad's standard. Oi, pack it in. I said a lot of what Dad started with was always oi. Pack it in. And this is how every argument had to end. This is how it had to end. Say you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness. Tell him you love him and give him a hug. And mean it. And so we tried it as kids growing, you know, we tried to just do all the things. Okay, I've got to, sorry, will you forgive me? Hug, I love you. We tried that. But Dad's not stupid. He said, no, no, no. I said, mean it. Go to your room till you mean it. We stayed in our room a long time, a lot of time as kids. We did. Where's Tony? In his room. But, but I'm glad I had a man who drummed that into me. Well, if it doesn't fool us, do you think it fools God? Disciples said, teach us how to pray. And he gave them... A little outline, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's kind of like a pattern. This is kind of a direction. It was never be meant to be recited as a mantra. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Your kingdom come, the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I've prayed today. Like, really? I don't get the impression that's what Jesus meant. Then just recite a mantra. It could be heartfelt. Maybe some of your prayers aren't being answered because they're not prayers. They're just mantras. It's got to come from the heart. If you want to touch God's heart, it's got to come from your heart. Mother Teresa said, may God break our heart so completely that the whole world falls in. That's sweet. John Bunyan said, in prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart.
Can I add it's better to have both? Words and heart. Secondly, prayer is the preparation ground. What you need to understand about Paul and his life and what he was facing, remember he was in prison when he wrote this letter to the Ephesian church. He was facing an uphill battle. He was facing problem after problem, difficulty after difficulty. In one account in the scriptures, he talks about how he was beaten five times. He was shipwrecked three times. He was stoned on one occasion, left for dead. All these things happened to Paul. You can't do what Paul did. You can't have the life that Paul had without understanding one thing, that prayer is a preparation ground. Before you do anything, you better pray. This church was planted 19 years ago. And uh, it, was a, it was a very small, very slow start for us. But what you need to understand is, before we started the church, and this is how it started, our pastor came to me one day and said, what do you want to do in your future? Have you ever thought about starting your own church? And I just went, that's a great idea, let's do it. In other words, at that moment, I knew like I knew like I knew that that was God's will for my life, direction for my life at that moment in time. Why? Because two years prior to that, I ran around my brother's house, Pete's, and we prayed every morning. No exaggeration, every morning from 5.30 to 6.30. Why? We just felt moved to. Our pastor never told us to do that. It wasn't a prayer movement that initiated that. I was moved to pray. Pete was moved to pray. We decided to get together. Our prayer language was very limited. We just prayed all the standard prayers. Father, rend the heavens and come down in Jesus' name. Shake all that can be shaken. Then I look at Pete and say, your turn. <laughs> and he thought, well, I can't just repeat what Tony said. So he reversed the order. <laughs> Father, shake all that can be shaken. And, and while you're at it, why don't you rend the heavens and come down in Jesus' name? <laughs> And so they would just go backwards and forth. And then, you know, we'd hear someone else pray. Oh, I'm going to add that. I like the way he said that. I'm going to add that. And, and, we, and we just, but we were moved. We, 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 we meant that. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of words, but we had a lot of heart. Yeah. And we prayed every morning. And so when our pastor came and said, do you want to start a church? What you need to understand is those two years were not us bickering and whinging and complaining about our church, nor the pastor. We just wanted more of God. We never ever discussed starting our own thing, doing something in rebellion. We never ever talked about it. I never wanted to be a pastor. I never wanted to be a ministry. We just wanted more of God. Rend the heavens, oh God, come down. Shake all that can be shaken. Give us more of you, Lord. We want more. We use that one a lot. We want more, Lord. More of you, Lord. Come on. And little by little, slowly but surely, our prayer language grew. Our, our hunger grew. Our desire grew. And when I passed, said, do you want to plant a church? Without ever entertaining that thought, ever before, I knew like I knew like I knew like I knew it was God. Why? Because prayer prepared the ground for that moment. This is what so many Christians do. We don't pray for two years. We get an opportunity, then we don't know what to do. And so we say, let me go away and pray about it. And we miss our opportunity. Because there's a time to pray and there's a time to move. Prayer is the preparation ground. Before you do anything big, great, significant, or even small, I would say cover every decision in prayer. This is my daily prayer. And you can grab it with your heart, or if you grab it with your head and make it a mantra, it's up to you. But I pray this every day of my life. God, give me courage to hold on to my convictions. Give me wisdom 
to know what to do and when to do it and give me strength to walk out my convictions. Give me wisdom, give me courage, give me strength. God, I'm not smart enough, I'm not wise enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not courageous enough. I need you, O oh God. It's just a daily prayer of mine. It's all about surrender. Because I realise without that preparation, everything we do is going to be in vain. It saddens my heart. No, no, it breaks my heart. The decisions that are being made by people with zero prayer. Start a business, zero prayer. Marry someone, zero prayer. You don't want to marry the wrong person. I mean, it might be a lovely person, don't get me wrong, but they might not, just, they might not be good for you. You don't want to marry the wrong person. And so we need to cover our decisions in prayer. People so glibly say, oh yeah, I feel God leading me. No, no, no. That's your feelings. That's your feelings. Do you know how many hurt people there are in church today? Hundreds, thousands. And they live with their hurt. They live with their pain. They live with bitterness and unforgiveness because they don't understand one thing. The gospel. It's a gospel issue. You can't live with hurt. It's a gospel issue. Jesus came, was misrepresented, mistreated, was beaten, battered and bruised and ultimately crucified. And on the cross he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If we can't get to that place, we're not living in the gospel. How are we going to get to that place? Prayer. We're going to let God speak to us. See, prayer is not us just telling God, I've been hard done by. It's us listening to God. Jesus said this, remember, before they hated you, they hated me. You're going to follow me? You're going to follow See, when I was young growing up, we played a couple of games, and many of you will relate to this. One of the games we played was Simon Says. Remember that game? And the nature of the game was to trick you to get you out of the game. And we play Christianity the same way. Jesus says, don't smoke. Jesus says, don't drink. Jesus says, don't get tattoos. Jesus says, don't do this. Jesus says, don't do that. Jesus says, do this, do that. <laughs> Jesus didn't say that. And we do our Christianity on this tightrope, trying to, what did Jesus say again? Which one is it? That's not how we're to live our Christianity. We also played another game growing up called Follow the Leader. Remember that game? You just did what you saw your leader doing. That's Christianity. It's not Jesus said... It's what Jesus did. This will revolutionize your Christianity. If you stop playing Jesus said and start playing follow the leader. We're going to do a whole series on this. Because it is a good word. I'm going to make it a good series. But essentially Jesus forgave his enemies. As the leader, let's follow. You don't have rights. You, you, can't, you can't say I'm following Jesus. When, when, when he was walking along the beach one day, he looked at Peter. 
And he said, he didn't say, Peter, get out of the boat and, and I, I want you to sell that thing uh, because I've got plans for you and I, I'll need you to have a shave. And, and, and Jesus says, get your hair cut. And, and Jesus says, you know, stop swearing. And, and Jesus says, you know, wash your hands. And, and Jesus, he didn't say any of that. He's walking along the beach one day. and says, Peter, follow me. Where are we going? You'll see. If you stay with me, you'll see where we're going. What do you want me to do? Well, if you follow me, I'll show you. See, we want to know the will of God. We want to stand back here, do nothing, and want to know the will of God. What does my life look like down there? Follow me, I'll show you. Because what he does want to tell you is in between here and your destiny, there's a whole heap of pain. And he wants to say, you're feeling pain? Well, yeah, cool, follow me. People upset you, follow me. So you're hurting. That's great, come here, follow me. See, between where we are and where God wants us to be, there's an alleyway. And in the alleyway, there's all these doors. And when the pressure's on, you can go to the right and to the left. Dude, this is too hard. Jesus, I'm out of here. And what you find, whether you take the door to the right or the left, this is where it always ends you back. (laughs) Amen! All right, Jesus, I'll give you another shot. We don't have have the brisk walk in our step anymore. We just... Oh, this is getting too hard. Last time I went right, I ended up back... I'm going left this time. But what you don't know about going left... Oh, man! It's called Groundhog Day. So many Christians live their lives. I've been here before. I've seen this before. The trouble is with moving from church to church to church is this. You take you with you. You might get rid of some of those people you didn't like, but you still take you with you. And here's the deal. You're the problem, not them. And so there's only one way to get where we're meant to go is straight. It's not a tightrope. That's just too painful. It's a bit broader than that. And so kind of like, you know, life, bang, Bang! But we're going forward. Bang! And with each bang, with each knock, with each disappointment, with each hurt, prayer holds us and prepares the ground. Thirdly, prayer needs to be constant and consistent. Paul says we've got to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. I'm not a Bible scholar, but you know what? All means all. All means all. You've got to pray on all occasions. That means in the good times, pray. And in the bad times, pray. And in the waiting times, pray. The waiting times are one of the hardest times for us. When it's bad, oh God, help! But in the waiting, in the waiting, we just get, ah, uh, I just go do my own thing. Got to pray. Paul says pray on all occasions. The good, the bad, and the waiting. See, God doesn't always answer prayer overnight. You know why? Because he's trying to develop you. See, we say, God, will you do this? He says, I can do that, but if I give you that now, you're still going to be immature as you've ever been. God wants to use the waiting to grow us and develop us so that when we get what we say we wanted, we've got something else as well, maturity. 
And sometimes by the time we get what we thought we wanted, we don't even want it anymore. God has done such a deep work in us. His delays are not denial. So don't give up. Don't give in. Just hang around. I caught up with a pastor, Wayne Alcorn, when I was um, away recently. And I was telling him our story. He doesn't know me. I was telling him our story and said how long the church has been going. And he said, are you married? I said, yeah, I've been married for 21 years. I dated for eight years, 29 years together. And I said, yeah, I'm into longevity. He goes, that's impressive. That's impressive. If only we had more of that in the church today. Just people hang around. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Some of the greatest things came out of a period of waiting. We love the story of Daniel. Remember Daniel and the lion's den? We grew up with that story as kids. But Daniel was a man who knew how to wait. Daniel was a man who knew how to pray and fast. On one occasion, the scriptures record he fasted for 21 days. We can't go 21 minutes without eating. So if you want these great stories, there's prayer attached to it. We read in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, this great outpouring of the Spirit. 3,000 people got saved. But what happened before that? 10 days of waiting. Jesus said, I want you to go and just wait. What do you want us to do? Wait. Yeah, but what do we do? Just wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Don't do anything about the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit like? Just wait. Jesus didn't say, what's going to happen is this wind will come in, tongues of fire will rest on your head. He said, just wait. So pray on all occasions. Four, prayer has many faces. He says, pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. And again, all means all. Paul's prayers looked differently on different occasions. He knew how to pray long and short. Loud and under his breath. Bless you. There's a loud sneeze, as we just heard, and there's the silent one. How much more with prayer? You know, I, I don't mind a good shouting prayer, but like, if that's all you've got, like, come on, dude, chill. I mean, I, I, because Christianity is a relationship, I like to equate things with my family. And maybe you can relate to this. Husbands, we don't always shout at our wives. There are times, but not always. And it's not always soft and quiet. It's not always serious, but there are serious conversations. And then there's the fun ones, then there's the nonsensical ones, which don't mean anything, just a laugh. You know those jokes, you just had to be there? You try to explain it, you just had to be there? Prayer's the same. There's times when you've heard me pray, and I'm passionate, and I'm loud, and I'm going for it. That's prayer. It's one face of prayer. There's other times I'm, I'm just more... Gentle and soft. And there's other times when I go for prayer, you won't hear me say anything at all. It's all prayer. And God wants us to grow up and go deeper and wider. So if you're just one of those screamers, all you do is scream, like, hey, hey there's other faces to prayer. 
If you're one of those guys, I never pray out loud, I always pray on the inside, that's cool. But imagine leading a family when you just talk on the inside. Maybe that explains why the divorce rate is what it is. Who knows? Because that is the biggest problem. People don't say, he doesn't talk. He doesn't talk. Isn't that amazing? Thank God that Jesus is not like people. He doesn't just leave us because we're not talking. He's just there waiting. Number five, prayer gives you strength. He says, pray for me that I might be fearless. See, Paul was human. He did some superhuman things, but he was human. He got scared. He lacked courage, just like us. And yet he spoke boldly. He was scared, and yet he knew how to speak boldly. He didn't succumb to his nerves. And I believe the key to this is being humble before God and confident before man. Many Christians live the other way around. They're confident before God. Where are you, God? Why don't you answer my prayers? And they're humble before men. They don't speak up. They don't say what they need to say. Paul was humble before God and yet confident before man. Abraham Lincoln said, I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all I'm about, uh, sorry, my own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. Who's ever felt like that? Prayer will come easy. See, a lack of prayer at the end of the day is just a lack of dependence. If you're not praying, you're saying, I don't need God. Which probably says you're not putting yourself in the position where you need God. And that's why there's so many bored Christians around. Because they're not putting themselves in the position where they need God to come through for them. And my last thing is God answers prayer. Isn't that great to know? We need our musicians to come. God answers prayer. Paul prayed and God moved. Paul saw the dead raised. He saw the sick healed. He saw his own chains fall off in prison, doors open through a supernatural earthquake. He saw some incredible things. I want to say this. Do your prayers that you are praying to God match the bigness of our God? See, too often we pray such little prayers. And there's nothing wrong with little prayers, but we serve a big God. And the magnitude of our ask magnifies the magnitude of our God. God is a God who loves you knows you intimately all those things that I don't know about you God knows about you and he wants to do life with you he wants to do life with me and prayer is one of those connection points between us and God 
And I know that all of us in this room would fall short of spending the time with him like we ought and like we should. And if nothing else through this message today, I, I trust that you'll be encouraged again to find time in your day to spend time with God. You might say, I pray driving my car to work. And I would say, that's great. Just pray with your eyes open. But I would also say, I pray going to work. But I also think there's times when it's just like I've done this week, just to spend time. Now, not all of you are going to be able to spend that amount of time. But the decisions that you and I have to make on a daily basis are worthy of just getting away with God and saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. The Bible says it's not wise to compare ourselves with ourselves. You're going to buy a new home? The will of God for you to buy that new home is not in the Bible. And if you just get caught up with, well, someone else in the church bought a new house, I'm going to buy a new house. You're going to... It's not a good basis for making a decision. Because for them to buy it could be a good thing. For you to buy it may not be a good thing. So, so how do you find those decisions? Prayer. God places you in a church like this one to be able to get some perspective as well. But essentially it's prayer. When I think about the decisions that are being made by many people and the little time spent in prayer, fasting. As I was away, my wife's been fasting for me. Going without. I, I know what she likes. And the things that she's doing right now is not within her comfort zone. But you know what? There are some things more important to her than her palate and what she wants to eat or drink for that matter. And I appreciate that. I know that what's going to come out of her mouth is going to be saturated with some God thoughts. So God answers prayer. So be front-footed. Let's go boldly into the throne room of God. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.